Hi, welcome to True Creeps, where the stories are true and the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore to the possibly plausible paranormal, to horrifying history, to tense and terrible true crime, and everything else that goes bump in the night. We're your hosts, Amanda, and I'm Lindsay, and we want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year's. We're in 2024. Oh my gosh. I know. It's weird. We're recording this in 2023, so it feels strange to be talking about the future. But I can say with a lot of certainty that I will feel like, woof, 2024 already? Okay. Yeah. Well, you're already in the future compared to me. How do you feel about it? Oh, that is true. (laughs) That is true. I mean, honestly, great. (laughs) Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Everything's great. Well. Today, we're going to be talking about the infamous unsolved case from Oregon, the Lava Lake murders. Well, one of the reasons that we chose this is because it's 100 years old this year. But as a note, a good bit of the information that we have from this case is from the Deschutes County Sheriff, Claude McCauley. And that's because this case is 100 years old. He took over the case several years after the murders. At the time of the murders, the sheriff was Samuel Roberts. Before we get into the case at all, because we got to do a little bit of like chatting, Amanda, it's 2024. Yes. Do I remember what my intentions for 2023 were? I think it was intentional, but I do not know. Ironic, I'm aware. Um, what are your... I don't like resolutions because it just feels weird and like it doesn't happen and it feels... I don't know. I don't like it. But intentions, 2024. What do you got? Hmm. I really want to be more organized. Like more organized with my office and my time, hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see. What about you? Mm, I like it. That sounds like it would feel good. It would feel good. It would feel even better if someone just came and did it for me. But, you know. <laughs> what a dream. What a dream. In order for me to be an organized person, I need to first declutter. And that just sounds like, so exhausting. So I'm like, I know the step one is this. Yeah. I have to be ready for that. And Lindsay and I both are like crafters, too. So like our offices are also giant craft rooms. Yes. And crafters are like like hoarders, because when you have a piece of something, you're like, oh, I could use that for another craft someday. Yes. Where does that random thing go? Who the fuck knows? That is what's hard is being like, oh, I can't throw this thing away because I might need it for the next thing I do. Yeah, it'll save time later if you keep it. Yes. Yes. So you have like a few beads left. You're like, I'm going to have those. But then times everything you do. Yeah. So what was yours? Mine is to be more kind to myself. That's a good one. Yeah. I don't do a lot of prioritizing what I with what I need like to be a happy, healthy, functioning human. And I'll sometimes lean into doing more work stuff. And I mean, like work in all senses of life, because if you know me, you know that I have a full time job that sometimes more than 40 hours a week. I have a small business. We have this. And then, you know, Amanda and I both have like families and lives. I don't have kids, but I have parents, husband, and, you know, friends that maybe sometimes I want to say to and I I lean into working when I'm feeling really stressed and I don't want to mm-hmm. do that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Being more kind to myself and being purposeful with like, checking in with myself. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. How do we transfer from here to murders like this? Okay. So (laughs) we're going to talk a little bit about the area where the murders occurred before we get into it. Partially because if you're anything like me, you heard Lava Lake and thought that is the coolest name of a lake I've ever heard. Is it filled with lava? I'm sorry. Right. I was like, I don't want to go there. That sounds awful. 
The answer is no. It's not lava. What it is, is it's lava that formed the lake itself. Okay. Way less cool. It is way less cool, but it does have like a lava ridge. So when it was formed, it was because lava was flowing and they just kind of like piled up on a certain ridge. And so it created a dam for nearby water. It's actually apparently pretty old. I kept looking to see how old this particular lava lake was, but I couldn't find it. I just saw that the vegetation in the area suggests that it's been there for quite some time. Okay. Okay. So it's Indeschutes National Forest, which is in central Oregon. And this part of the park is in the Cascade Mountain Range. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about who the victims were. And they were three men who were hunting animals for their fur in winter. Very sad, though. I don't like that they're doing this. I want to start there. Yeah. So not my favorite thing. The three victims were Ed Nichols, who was 50 years old, Roy Wilson, who was 35, and Dewey Morris, who was 24. So the group was staying in a log cabin that was owned by Ed Logan, who was a prominent logger in the area, which was called Bend. So Bend, Oregon. I've heard of that one. That one's for reals. I've never heard of that one. Oh. And because the owner of the cabin is also named Ed, as well as one of the victims being Ed Nichols, we're going to call the victim from here on out Ed. And then we're going to refer to the cabin owner as Logan, just so it's clear. So Ed had come to Bend around Christmas with a pile of furs on his back. When he spoke with people, he said that trapping was good. Not quite sure what that meant, so we looked it up. And it's surprisingly difficult to find this particular geographical region and time period, you know, because it's 100 years ago. Well, like, especially, I feel like fur trade is not like a thing that you're going to find a lot of evidence or like a lot of research on too much. I mean, like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, apparently, there was a big effect in the beaver population for the fur trade, like it affected beavers. But without going like deep into the beaver era, internet, beaver era. I know. I know. Um, It does make me want to put like I'm in my beaver era on a t-shirt like very (laughs) intensely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's happening now. Is there one now? Yeah, there will be. Yep. The time this episode is released, I'm in my beaver era. (laughs) You're welcome, lesbians. (laughs) But all that to say, the information is like over long spans of time. It's like, do you want to know what it's like in the 1400s? Do you want to know what it's like in this century? But it's not. And there's also Canada or somewhere in Europe or I saw the Southwest, but I didn't see the Northwest. Yeah, it was just weird. It was a weird research thing, but we found some stuff. Yeah, it's very particular. So we saw that in some areas of North America, indigenous populations were making around $10 a hide for fox pelts in the late 1800s to the 1900s. $10 in 1924 would be about $180 today. And fur coats around this time period were selling for about $110, which is a lot today. It's about $1,975 today. I would also imagine that was a lot then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine spending that much on a coat. No. No. Hoodies forever for me. When you live in a cold place, it's not on the fucking center of the sun like Arizona. Amanda's like, what is a winter coat? <laughs> what? What are that? No, I have no idea. I have hoodies and I never even get to wear them. Like I get really excited when I go to concerts. and I'm like, I'm gonna buy this really cool hoodie. I'm gonna be able to wear it in like December, January. And then like it was 80 degrees today. So, you know, I can just fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> but anyways, back to our case. So 
On January 15th of 1924, Alan Wilcoxon had owned the Elk Lake Resort, and he stopped in the cabin and spent the night with the three men. This was the last time that the trio was seen alive. And that was nearly 100 years ago. On this day. And that was 10 days from now. (laughs) If we didn't have a weird accent, like, would this even be true creeps? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, it wouldn't. So, in April of 1924, people began to be concerned about, obviously, the three men who they hadn't seen. When they realized that the mink traps that they had set had not been cared for. And oddly enough, I was researching for another episode that'll come out at some point. So I was learning a little bit about like how a trapper goes to the same area to reset their traps and they have to check it every couple days or sooner, depending on like obviously the area and how many animals and blah, 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 blah. But it's like a to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not like I don't think it's an easy type of thing because the idea is, is that you want the animal when they are either freshly dead or freshly trapped, I would imagine, because like, well, adrenaline will like make meat taste bad if you're tra- if you're trapping for meat. But like, which I don't think most people are doing. I think it's mostly furs. But I, who am I? You don't want them to like try to pull themselves out and then rip the fur. It's gross to think about. But I don't like it. Right. Very sad. I want to pet all animals. But Dewey's brother, Owen Morris, and the superintendent of the Tamalo Fish Hatchery, Pearl Linz, were very concerned. The trio was known for being attentive to their traps, you know, because that's what you need to do. So finding that they hadn't been cared for was extra concerning. Yes. So Morris and Linz went up to Logan's cabin and inside they found a strange scene. So first, it, it almost looks like they had disappeared right when they were about to sit down for breakfast. The table was set, but the dishes and cutlery were clean and they found pots on the stove that were filled with burnt food. Bizarre. And yeah. as a note, their all of their weapons were inside the home. Some sources said that one of them carried a gun like on his person and that he was wearing it just as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. But they didn't take like their shotguns or rifles or what have you outside. But then they just went outside. Reminds me of Dyatlov. Yes. And they closed the door behind them. And they knew that they closed the door behind them because one, the door was closed when they got there. But also because there was a cat that was trapped inside. Poor kitty. She was alive. I don't know if she's a she, but we're just, she's just alive. But the cat was alive, but it was very skinny. And from the looks of how the cat was, they think that it had been trapped inside for several months. So, which makes them think it's now April, that it's possible that that January 15th was actually pretty close to the date that they perhaps were murdered. Okay, so this is strange inside, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're dead. Right. It just means that they, like, left in a hurry for some reason. Right. So then investigators, they go outside and they notice more strange things. First, the sled that the three men needed to transport food and equipment was gone. That's the first one. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the second one I'll say in a second, but you need some background info first. So we said that this was Ed Logan's cabin, and he allowed the three men to use this cabin, which is kind of pretty remote. The arrangement they had was that the three men would care for his foxes while they were there. So they would feed them, make sure they like clean their pen and stuff and watch over the foxes. When they go outside, the fox pen is completely empty, except for untouched fox food and a bloody hammer. Not good. No, definitely not good. Some sources say that the hammer was found inside a storage shed. So, of course, they continued their investigation in the surrounding areas. And investigators searched for the traps that had been laid by the men and found 
that many of the traps had caught animals, but they hadn't been attended to. So again, like we were saying, you want to get those animals out quick for various reasons. Yeah. So specifically, they found 12 martens, which I didn't know what that was. It looks like a ferret, four foxes, and one skunk in the traps. It's also very important for me to show you what a marten looks like now because they are incredibly fucking cute. It's kind of like if a, a fox and a ferret had a baby. Oh my gosh, why would you want to trap one of these things? They're so cute. So eventually, the remains of four skinned foxes were found beneath a tree relatively close to the cabin. The men's large sled had been found in a snowdrift, and one of the boards of the sled had been ripped off and turned over. That particular board had a dark stain that was later confirmed by a town physician to be human blood. Oof. Now, I want to know, back in the 20s, how a physician would go, yep, that's human blood versus animal blood or some other blood. That's interesting to think about. Interestingly, in the early 1800s, scientists developed a test to see if blood was present. So it was Matthew Orfila. It was in 1813 that he developed the first test, I believe, to see if blood was present. It still sounds really difficult. <laughs> I mean, for sure, for sure, right? Like, we've talked about crimes in this relative time period before. Yeah. And it's like, ugh, before fingerprints, they were like, how long were your fingers? Uh, you're right, right. Did your bones match in length of the same person who was the killer? And I'm like, bone math? Yeah, yeah. How do you know that? It seems very, like, whim-whamsy in terms of science. Yes. Before... Like, I would say the 1960s. Right. And physicians were using a lot of interesting things to try to heal people at that time. Well, at that point, they were still, what, dipping people in whale carcasses, letting them just muck about in that blubber. Muck about. Ugh. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks. As we mentioned, the sled was used for supplies and equipment, so it was pretty big. Investigators followed depressed snow from where the sled was found all the way to Lava Lake. And that was about a quarter of a mile where the sled had been found. This would be almost four and a half football fields. Or in true creeps math, that's about 330 12-year-old boys from the sled site. That really puts it into perspective. It does. It does. So as investigators looked at the site where the depressed snow had led them, they could clearly see that a hole had been cut in the ice. The way that they were able to you know, see that there had been a hole cut in the ice is that this particular space had been frozen over again, you know, because it's cold, it's snowing, things are happening. But it was more depressed than the area around it. So they, they could clearly see, okay, there was something cut here at one point. But then snow happened and more freezing happened. So like, it just didn't match the surrounding area. Yeah, this is also like super weird if you're thinking like, is this a place where the bodies might end up? Like, it's far away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the point of dragging someone far away when you're in a remote place surrounded by snow? Just put them in the snow. Right. 330 12-year-old boys away. Oof, that's a lot of 12-year-old boys, you know? I can say that with a completely straight face and a man is like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I can't. I need to get there. Okay. You're welcome. <laughs> so the investigators grew concerned that the bodies of Ed, Dewey, and Roy had been dropped into the hole that had been cut into the ice. And one of the searchers that was walking along the river's edge on the way back to the cabin found a snow stained with blood that had begun to melt. So there's another like, what's this, right? Another piece. Near this patch of darkened snow, 
They also found a front tooth and hair. That like gives me shivers, like, oh, finding a tooth and hair. No, thank you. So the investigators left the scene. And then that evening, two of the investigators, Clarence Adams and H.D. Innes, went back to Lava Lake to try to catch some fish for dinner. Okay, so I have a comment here. Okay, one. I think I have the same one. Yes. Yeah, it's it's the same one. I bet it is. I hope you're thinking the same thing, person who's listening. One, I don't think I could go fishing in a lake that I thought had people in it. Like, I also don't, you know, it's, I understand it's a different time and people like who are fishing, they have like, whatever. But like, don't most lakes have people in it, though, to be fair? You probably. Yeah, but like, you, you're like, we're going to figure out how to get to them. But like, there's definitely people in this lake. I'm a fish, right? Like, how far from where the people bodies are, are they going for fish bodies? You know? I don't know. You know, you know my feeling about fish in lakes. Amanda doesn't like any wildlife existing in water. No. But I also like can recognize that they likely weren't like, we're going to find a crime scene up here. So they probably didn't like pack provisions to ha- be up there for a while. Right. So they're probably like thinking, oh, we're going to go up there and we're going to come, we're going to come back. So like, if they didn't have food, this might be the way that they could get food. But I'm still like, Ugh. yeah, well, they couldn't just go to the closest grocery store and get some prepared meals either at this time. I meant more so like they could have brought like grains with them or something like that or like something that was travelable, but like or caught something. But I digress. Yeah. Still weird. Still weird. I see it, but still like, yeah, I wouldn't want to go fishing at a lake where I'm like, we found some clues that something horrible happened and there's a lot of blood around here. But, you know, let's just move over a few feet and fish. Sounds weird. So when Innes and Adams get back to the lake, they were pretty shocked to see that a huge amount of ice from the lake is gone. And only about half the ice is still there. That's very weird. And what's weird, too, is that some sources say that the ice had been broken up. And other sources kind of like suggest that perhaps it was just like a warmer day. So some of the ice melted or insert other reason. They just leave no reason why the ice is suddenly. But like half the ice. That's a lot. <laughs> Ask the ice. Just ask it. <laughs> it's not my business. <laughs> ask the ice what happened. <laughs> that was just the vibe I got. Just it's not my problem. Ask the ice. <laughs> what? Said that's half the ice. That's a lot. Oh, I thought you said ask the ice. And then so I was like, oh. I mean, I guess we could. <laughs> there are there are scientists now that ask the ice things by like <laughs> going through it and finding little weird organisms within the frozen layers. That's a thing. They do. They do. But like I in my it, to me, it seemed like you had like a little bit of like a just ask the ice. Like I like I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Anyway, half the ice is missing. That's where we landed here. Yeah. Shit's weird. Things are going on. OK. Yeah. Ask the ice. <laughs> That's another shirt. So then Logan, again, the cabin owner shows up and he's like, hey, innocent Adams, Here's where a boat is, and it's hidden under the snow. So they dig it out, and the three of them navigate the small boat to the area of the lake where the investigators had earlier seen the depression in the snow, where they thought, you know, the hole could have been in the ice. Also, if you're naturally suspicious, I'm pretty sure law enforcement asked Logan to be around. That's fair. He wasn't just like, oh, look what I can offer, right? Because, I mean, whenever (laughs) someone does that, you're like, why are you here? What are you doing? 
Yeah. Yeah. So as they got closer, they could see the bodies of Ed, Roy, and Dewey floating on the surface. Horrible. They were positioned a few feet apart, slightly decomposed, and fully clothed. Innes, Adam, and Logan tied ropes around the bodies and then pulled them back to shore. They then put the bodies on a shelf of ice for the night. And again, they have to like keep it the best they can, right? So that's the best thing you could do. Yeah. So after they found the bodies, Adams ran back to the town in his snowshoes. Okay. Okay. So given the way that their bodies had been found, police were pretty confident that they were murdered. Which makes sense, right? Like there's blood about. Yeah. You find a loose tooth. They likely didn't hammer like sled themselves over cut the ice and then throw their own bodies in you know that doesn't feel like a thing yeah but also and we're going to talk about in a second like what had happened to them but a group of seasoned woodsmen were gathered to investigate the crime scene and i find it fascinating to think about how to be an effective investigator in this type of circumstance you have to be like a woodsman person like you have to understand like how to traverse on snow and how to investigate in snow and how to like not die in the woods because it's very cold that kind of information on top of perhaps knowing sciencey stuff or like don't fuck with everything stuff i mean it's the early 1920s so we can assume that police work is not great but the woodsman part of it i think is like or like the being able to like traverse the kind of elements i think it's just an interesting extra skill to have oh yeah so the group included adams who we've already mentioned jerome and ray ward three of dewey's brothers which were owen ben and don morris robert sawyer the editor of a local paper the bend bulletin myron simmons and a photographer cp newswonger they also had the county coroner who was paul hosmer and again it's interesting to think that you would need to be able to safely traverse that woodland area to be the corner in this situation because you have to get out there yeah so the report that existed was incredibly detailed i've seen some sources that say this is the original report and i've seen some that are like this was macaulay's rewriting of the report that he saw because he wasn't the sheriff at the time right so but this is what it said either way even though the weather was perfect, the clear air was impregnated with the odor of death and decomposition. And it was with an undefinable spirit of awe and consternation that the little party of hardy woodsmen laid aside their packs, kicked off their snowshoes, and prepared to tackle a grim job, which was to their disliking. And the remains that they found of the three men were incredibly gruesome. Roy, Ed, and Dewey had each been shot several times with a shotgun and a pistol, and they'd also been struck by blunt instruments. The report suggested that it perhaps was a hammer, which would make sense because that was the weapon they found in the pen. Yeah. But I could also see that that hammer, regardless of whether it was used on the men, was also likely used on the foxes. Like, quick, though. So, like, at least there's that. I don't know. But Ed's jaw had been shattered by a shotgun blast. It's horrible. Horrific. Horrific. Would also explain why a tooth was like perhaps found because the teeth would likely be loose. Um, and his watch had stopped at 920 o'clock. Interesting. And so as we're talking about this all happening, right? One of the things that we're not talking about is evidence. And that's because one, evidence collection is a little bit different at this point in time. They're not gonna be collecting fingerprints, they can they're not gonna be looking at DNA. And they are in the middle of the woods where evidence is going to naturally disappear. And again, they were submerged in water. So things that they would have on them are perhaps different than they would otherwise, like mm -hmm. what have you. And because also the scene appears to have largely happened outside, you don't have things like boot prints or someone having taken off their jacket or something or anything that they would have. It seems like everything happened outside. Right. 
But so the first clue that they had to have to think about who may have done this came from Logan, who recalled that the previous year, Ed had been trapping with a man named Lee Collins. Lee Collins also went by the name of Charles Kimsey. That's wildly different, but okay. Wildly different. And that is how most people know him. So we're going to call him Charles Kimsey. I actually think that might be his legal name as well. I saw some things that had like different aliases. So he had changed over time. But yeah, we're going to be calling him Kimsey as we go forward. So Kimsey and Ed got into an argument because Ed had accused Kimsey of stealing his wallet. And naturally, Kimsey's rebuttal was, I'm going to kill you someday. Okay. Extreme. One, don't threaten violence because somebody accused you of something. That's a weird thing to do. Yeah. And it doesn't make you seem not guilty, right? But also, right. I'm going to kill you someday. Feels like an unnecessary qualifier. It does. It does. I mean, it is extra ominous if that's what you're going for, but it just feels like a strange detail to add. Yeah. Well, Charles Kimsey already had a record because police were very familiar with him. Mm-hmm. So one article from the Bend Bulletin described Kimsey as, quote, a person so despicable that no crime was beyond him, not even a triple murder. So in 1923, he had already been arrested for robbery and attempted murder. So wasn't really a big surprise. Yeah. Allegedly, he had hired W.O. Harrison to drive him to Idaho. Today, that would have been nearly a nine hour drive from Bend, Oregon. Feels like an unnecessary mode of travel, does it not? Yeah, yeah. And also going to Idaho. I'd be suspicious. Like, why do you want me to drive you there? Right, right. And I have to say, every time you say suspicious, all I think of is you saying suspicious. Don't be suspicious. No, no, no. Suspiciously wooden. Like 17 times. Because we just listened to that again. Yeah, yeah. But it makes me laugh every time. You're welcome. Oh, gosh, what were we doing? We were... We were looking at something, Mike and I, and I was like, that's suspiciously wooden. And he's like, what? I was like, oh, yeah, you don't listen to our podcast. I forget. Yeah, I forgot you don't. I forgot this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while they were on their way to Idaho, Kimsey had Harrison stop the car. Kimsey then punched Harrison and tied him up using bailing wire. So I didn't know what bailing wire is. I don't think Lindsay did either. I did not. So we, you know googled it and it's a metal wire that's typically used to tie hay or straw and it's a very skinny metal wire so it was probably very uncomfortable and painful so speaking of horrible painful things kimsey then dropped harrison down an abandoned well and some sources say that kimsey also poisoned harrison and that harrison had thrown up the poison interesting interesting yeah we we talk about poison a lot you know i love a poison So Harrison was able to get himself out of the well and then to Last Chance Ranch. However, as far as Kimsey was concerned, Harrison was dead, right? So he had no idea that he survived. It wasn't until several years later that he found out that Harrison had survived. Kimsey had been arrested several times over the years and had served time in prison before escaping. And before this, he had been hired by the government as a trapper and he had an excellent shot with both a revolver and a rifle. Uh-oh. Seems weird to, like, hire this particular person. Right? You're a bad dude, but, like, you can shoot pretty well? Sources are really unclear about whether this is, like, between crimes or what have you. 
like when he was hired by the government. Also, which government? Right. (laughs) The government. (laughs) Like, which one? But anyway, so news about the murders of Ed, Roy, and Dewey spread pretty wide. And the next clue comes from a traffic officer in Portland named W.C. Bender. So he was directing traffic at a busy intersection when a man came up to him and asked him if he knew a reliable fur dealer. Bender recalled that the man was carrying a gunny sack. No single fucking clue what a gunny sack is. So again, we looked it up and it's it basically just looks like a burlap sack. I was hoping it was one of those, like a stick with like the bandana thing on the back that you see in cartoons. That's what I was like. I fingers crossed hoping it was and it wasn't. I was like, it's just a burlap sack. And I was like angrily oh. typing it into the outline. I like the name, though. That sounds a little more fun. Yeah, it does. I agree. So Bender directed the unknown man to Schumacher Fur Company, and that was on Southwest 3rd Street. So then the man starts heading in that direction afterwards. When shown a photo of Kimsey pretty soon after, the traffic officer confirmed it was him that he saw. Interesting. Yeah. Law enforcement confirmed with Schumacher that that, per- that someone did come in that day and that they sold first to them for $110 in cash, which is just interesting because we talked about 110 dollars earlier but again that's 1975 in today's money yeah so a reward for 1000 to 1500 was set for information leading to the arrest or and conviction of kimsey again that's much higher today so for $25,000 and the search for kimsey continued for years with little success no one could find him law enforcement got tips and investigated each one but it didn't lead anywhere should you hear a faint trickling sound that is my sump pump existing. I am sorry. And if you hear a growl sound, that is the puppy playing with our other dog. And he won't stop ever. And if you hear an ominous ghost going, that is an ominous ghost going. Perfect. Love it. Okay. So at one point, law enforcement arrested a man named Bob Bales because he just looked too similar to Kimsey. And they were like, you are Kimsey. We know it. And he's like, but I'm not. I'm Bob. I'm Bob Bales. <laughs> and so eventually he was released. But like, they were like, mm, no. And I just find it like the idea of a time period where <laughs> you could just be like, nope, now I'm someone else. Here's my name now. And people were like, well, okay. Fascinating. <laughs> right? So much easier. So nine years after the murder, on February 17th of 1933, a man who worked as a jailer in Kalispell, Montana, recognized Kimsey as he just strolled by. The man quickly went to the courthouse to report that he had seen him, and law enforcement found Kimsey and arrested him, finally. How random, though. Like, in Montana, they're like, that dude looks like a guy that's wanted. This guy's all fucking over. Right? But also, I'm impressed because I feel like today, no one would notice. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, when he arrested Kimsey, Kimsey said... I haven't heard the name Kimsey for years. They think I killed those trappers in Oregon, but I didn't. Kimsey went on to say that he had been in Colorado at the time of the murders. And he said that he had been working on the Moffat Tunnel and his alibi was confirmed. Interesting. Oh, yeah, he was always getting in trouble. So the law enforcement officers that had arrested him didn't make any mention of the Lava Lake murders before Kimsey himself brought it up. Which is weird. He's like, I'm being arrested. I don't know why, but I didn't murder anyone. I didn't murder anyone at this particular place at this particular day. Yeah. Here's the details of it. Yeah, but it was not me. Right. When he immediately denied his involvement, they found this 
particularly suspicious. Suspiciously wooden. Yes, always. Sheriff McCauley was notified and he, along with Sergeant Arthur Tuck of the Oregon State Police, went to Montana to bring Kimsey back to Bend. Today, this would have been about a six and a half hour drive each way. So that's a, that's a while. So Macaulay and Tuck had hoped that they would get him to talk about the murders while they were making the drive back because they had time to kill. Plenty of time. Tuck sat in back with Kimsey and he was handcuffed to him. And the conversation kept circling back to the Lava Lake murders. I can just imagine this conversation where they're like, have you read any good books lately? And he's like, yeah, da, 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 da. They're like, yeah, I read this good book about people who were murdered near a lake. You know anything? Like, that's what I'm picturing. They're like talking and it's like unnecessary, like roundabouts. Right, right. And he's like, but by the way, I didn't murder anyone at Lava Lake. Yeah. Eventually, Kimsey said, quote, you can ask all the questions you want about the Lava Lake case, but I won't answer a damn one of them. Okay, man. So I don't think this is altogether surprising, but the the case against Kimsey ultimately falls apart. There really wasn't anything solid linking him to the murders. And keep in mind in this time period, the only real solid thing you have are witnesses that are deemed credible because you don't have DNA. You don't have fingerprints. There's not surveillance footage and that kind of stuff. No digital trails. Right. And records are just written. Mm -hmm. There's no proof that they were actually there where they say they might be. Exactly. So, as time passes, a person ages. So, nine years elapse between the murders, the sale of those furs, and Kimsey being found. Mm-hmm. So, not surprisingly, he looks aged, looks different. He also seems like he has a difficult life. So, perhaps, like, it's been a hard nine years. So, he looks particularly aged. Yeah. So, remember that fur dealer in Portland and the traffic officer? Oh, I do. Our fur dealer. That's Carl Schumacher. Both he... And the traffic officer, W.C. Bender, were asked to testify to say that the person who was there, Kimsey, was the person they recognized as the person that was directed to the first door and sold the first. Neither one of them would testify that they were absolutely sure that it was Kimsey because they were like, he looks so different. It's been nine years. He could be Bob. Could be Bob Bales. Like, <laughs> but... I just thought that was interesting because at the time they were like, yes, that is him. And today I feel like one of the things that attorneys will do is they'll say like, hey, at the time you were very sure it was this person. Why are you no longer sure? Yeah. And they'll say, oh, time has elapsed and they look different to me now. But at the time I was very sure. And they would still probably try that person and they would, they might be successful even with that because like the average person expects another person to forget a little bit. But if at the time of the crime, you were like, yes, it's this guy, that might be more convincing. But so they didn't really have a case against him because they wouldn't testify. So they're in Portland finding this out. They're like, you know, we're just going to leave him here. So I was like, hmm, that's a weird <laughs> thing to do. And the reason why they did that was because they wanted him to face the charges for the robbery and attempted murder of Harrison, which had happened in Oregon. Also, there's other places that want him and want to try him for things. In Utah, they want to extradite him to, for a murder charge. And then remember, he escaped from prison in Idaho. So they're like, we would like him back to imprison him again for that original sentence and to give him more time because he escaped from prison. The other states are like, no, you let him go. Like, you can be last. <laughs> yeah, he, no, it's my turn. No, no, no. Your, your dibs is forfeited. So Kimsey was tried for... The robbery and attempted murder of Harrison. And remember earlier we said that Kimsey didn't know whether Harrison survived the attack. 
Right. Well, I would imagine perhaps now he does. Mm-hmm. Harrison testified at the trial and he very clearly remembered and identified Kimsey as his attacker, which I feel like is probably different because he was in the car with this person. Yes. Spent more time with this person, looked into his eyes versus like a small interaction. You know, like if you're a fur dealer, you deal first. You see people all day. If you're a person like directing traffic, you're seeing people all day versus this person who's right sitting in a car with the person who attacked him. But I digress. So there are some accounts that say that people who had watched the trial said that Kimsey looked like he had seen a ghost when he saw Harrison testify, which I find just like a funny thing to say, because what a dramatization. Because one, the defense knows all the witnesses, so they would know that Harrison was going to testify. And then two, it was attempted murder, not murder. So like, even if Harrison wasn't testifying, like one would assume that like perhaps he didn't murder him because attempted it's attempted murder, not murder. You know, I was like, that's silly. Yeah. But the jury deliberated for three hours before rendering the guilty verdict. And then Circuit Judge T.E. Duffy sentenced Kimsey to life imprisonment. So there's some justice there. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, this time they kept him there for realsies and he didn't escape. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the case ends. So, okay, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you think, with the information that we have, Kimsey's a bad dude. Yeah. He was once mad at Ed. Somebody who may have looked like him sold some furs. Is that enough for you to be like, it's this guy? Well, like, in today's day, we would be able to, like, look at that hammer and get DNA off the hammer. And, you know, like, identify whose DNA is on the hammer, which, you know, could have been Kimsey's. Ballistics, too. And he made a lot of bad choices. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. But he made a lot of bad choices often. And so he was wanted in other states for murder as well. So it's like he probably continued that trend. Yeah. Either way, this this guy shouldn't be on the streets. But yeah, like, I don't think there's enough information, honestly. What about you? I don't think it was him. Because here's and here's here's my reasoning. The first is that he punched Harrison, didn't attack him with a weapon. There's that. That's number one. And that he also poisoned him, perhaps. And it would have been significantly easier for him to kill them in the actual cabin than outside. Because if you're thinking of like the fact that like he has poisoned perhaps before, Mm -hmm. you would think that it would make more sense to poison them because you could likely put stuff in their cups, let it dry, them use it, and they would just naturally be dead. And then you could presumably steal the foxes that were out back. You thought this through. I did. I was thinking of this because I was like, I just don't think that this was the most like elaborate reason. And I saw some sources where they're like talking about like, who could this be? And they they point out that the fact they didn't bring their weapons outside other than the person that was just already carrying their weapon, just generally just having it like holstered on them. Right. So they didn't go out thinking that there was danger because I when I was thinking like, oh, they went outside, my head immediately thought, well, perhaps they heard the foxes because if they were doing things to foxes like they would probably be making large, sound, like big sounds. And if you are a fur trapper, you wouldn't want people thinking that you were killing the foxes that you were taking care of. So you would be like very aware. You know what I'm saying? Like they were worth a lot of money. So they wouldn't have done my they would have been like, we're here to take care of these foxes. That's part of the reason why we're here. We can't stay here if we don't do that. And also we'll probably get blamed for these foxes if they're killed. Right. Right. Well, and also if he only had beef with one guy, like killing three guys is hard compared to just like the one, you know, if he had an issue with that guy, which obviously he shouldn't murder anyone, but it just seems not convenient. 
Well, also, like, these are, like, woodsmen. So killing three people at once, even if you have these types of weapons, it's not enough to kill three men at once. And given that I just feel like it seems like they all came out at once. Some people suggest that, like, perhaps they thought the person was friendly and they came out willingly having a conversation with someone rather than being scared out or something like that. But if you're thinking of, like, going outside without a weapon... If there was a person who said, I'm going to kill you someday, they show up at your remote cabin in the woods. Are you coming outside unarmed? Probably not. Probably not. And even if that person has a shotgun or a rifle, they don't necessarily, they're not reloadable quickly, right? It's not something you can do. I think it was more than one person because we have got more than one victim. Okay. Yeah. I'm not altogether convinced that it was Kimsey or Kimsey alone. There's also the point that there's an alibi. The alibi, I feel like a 20s alibi doesn't mean anything, (laughs) in my head at least. But I do think, yeah, killing three outdoorsmen is equivalent to like having to kill like six regular men, right? Like, yeah, these are people who are going to need to be able to move a little bit quicker because they're dealing with animals and stuff like that. Yes. They're better like in the terrain. I don't know. I'm just holding them in a higher survivability regard. Right. It just doesn't make sense to me. And presumably... If you're thinking motive for this murder, I feel like the place where people would go immediately would be the furs. They made $110. Right. But let's keep in mind that this is not an easy type of thing to do. Because first off, you have to be a person who knows how to skin a fox. Because that's step one. You have to be able to traverse out there. You have to be good enough to do it and not die. You need to be able to cut a hole in the ice without you falling in. Right. So they had to be knowledgeable. They'd be knowledgeable, but it sounds like more than one person, does it not? This sounds like a lot more like it was maybe a serial killer or something like that, or somebody who wanted to hurt people who also happened to be a trapper. I don't know. That's just kind of the vibe that I get. But I mean, the foxes not being in their pen, though, is weird. It was someone knowledgeable to do that, you know, because the guys wouldn't have done it, obviously, right? They're taking care of it, like kind of like you said. So I don't think it was just like the average serial killer, though, because I, I feel like they wouldn't have done that. So I get what you're saying that you're like, okay, what are the odds that this serial killer would also be good at like trapping animals and traversing this type of terrain? Right. And being out there. Yeah. Yeah. At that time. But I would then raise you. We know that typically serial killers do things and hurt animals. This would be a profession that would be well suited to inclinations. So like we know that Kimsey was a violent person who worked as a trapper and did this, right? I doubt he would be the only person who was like, oh, like some of these urges I can satisfy doing this. Yeah. Or maybe someone that wanted that area. You know, like how I mentioned earlier, trappers like to lay their traps at the same places. Mm-hmm. Often, perhaps someone knew that that was like a lucrative area and was like, if I get rid of these fools, this can be my area. Well, yeah, and we know that Ed was trapping in the area the year before. And that year he went into town and said, oh, trapping's good. And so could you imagine being another trapper and you're like, I'm not making as much as him. And I know that Logan's likely going to let him use his cabin again next year because he did last year. Mm-hmm. How do I make money like he's making? Right. And if you think whatever like a bag of hides that guy was carrying was $110, which is a- almost $2,000. And that was just a couple of things versus an entire season of trapping. I mean, I would imagine we're talking like tens of thousands of dollars of a difference, which is a a big amount of money. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. It's all interesting. There's so many like holes because you're like, you could go any direction and you can't prove one way or another. 
Yeah, yeah. And I can see why, you know, we're at 100 years minus 10 days since these men were last alive, seen alive, and why no one can figure it out. Yeah. What an interesting time, an interesting case, and also a winter case. Felt right for... What's winter? Everyone but Amanda. (laughs) Hey, January gets a little cold, okay? Like, a little cold. What's cold for you? Like, during the day, it'll be like, I don't know, 50s. Okay, I'll take that as chilly brisk i'm like i don't know i like it always gets pushed back yeah like at night at least we get almost freezing okay so i'll give it that okay night times when i thrive okay okay (laughs) i have to worry about my plants my plants my plants my plants well that's what we've got for you that's a interesting january case for being back our winter mystery yeah as always, we want to know what you think about this. We do. We do. Did you miss us? We want to know. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure you did. I just, I've got a feeling. Um, <laughs> we're in weird, goofy moods, you know? We missed you too, though. Yeah. We did have a couple discussions in our Bat Bonfire. And uh, there's a few posts in our Discord as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. We posted some weird shit. As we do. I was scrolling actually last night at the doll picture that I had posted where you were like, she sees through my soul. Because she did. And Mike was sitting next to me. He's like, what the fuck is that? And he's like, oh, it hurts my soul. And I was like, oh, here's what Lindsay said. He's like, she gets me. Yeah. Yeah. It burned right into my soul. Yeah. It was funny. I was like, you would take her side. You and her. Uh, You want to know something? Raft buddies forever. Anyways. We're just trailing on off. Well... Yeah, it made sense, okay? Some of this is going after the end credits. You know there is. Also, in case you don't know, and if you did like our little tangent episodes, after the end credits is where we put the rest of our silliness, tomfoolery, shenanigans, rants, tangents, fuck-ups, bloopers, if you will. Yeah, the bloopers (laughs) are my favorite. Today, there were a lot of them. For for an episode where there wasn't anything that was like difficult to come out of my mouth, it was simply my mouth was like, it's been a minute since you've done this. And I'm like, who are are you telling? We haven't recorded for a couple weeks. I know. We lose immediately. Lose the ability to. So sorry. (laughs) <laughs> we have to start over every year. <laughs> start over fresh. <laughs> At least we both remembered to record, I hope. We did. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. We did. I've checked three <laughs> times because I kept panicking that I would that I didn't. Because it's like just that's a scary thing. But have we done that before? Have we lost episodes? Absolutely we have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have. <laughs> well, with that, have a great weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. The love. I've already messed up. Did I look up that word? No, Amanda. Why would I not? Why would I not look up the word that starts immediately? I was like, wow, she can speak well. I was very proud of you. You said it with confidence. No, I can't. You know I can. The shoots count me. I was right. Okay. The one thing I don't, not these guys, obviously, first tangent of 2024. I hate when people suck at hunting and they think it's okay to hunt. You know, like that don't do it on the first shot. Yes. And that's and like we'll get into that too today, which I think is really and that's really interesting is that one of the things that drew people to perhaps something was wrong with these guys was like some people had stumbled across how their traps were and they were like, this is not what they do. This is not how they do this. And so it was like them being good hunters. People were like, that's not how they do this, because otherwise it would be like, "Eh, I don't know. They're just lazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But and his name's Dewey, right? Not Dewery. Yeah, yeah, it is Dewey, not Dewey. 
Amanda thinks everywhere is infamous. Melvern, Bend. Maybe Bend is. I don't know. Everyone knows about Melvern now, okay? Everyone. You're welcome. <laughs> My favorite ongoing bit is acting like we're famous because we're not. That, that's, uh, that I find just like hilarious. That'll never stop being funny to me. Ever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time we have like an increase in downloads. We have to immediately message each other and be like, how's it feel to be famous? Oh, yeah. We send each other. Yeah. We send each other like some type of like bougie, like hair flip meme. But it's it's good fun. It's good fun. <laughs> what time? We feel special. Okay. <laughs> Let us have it. I like now we're arguing. <laughs> we're arguing with our listeners. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> stop yelling at us. We'll do what we want. They're like, no one's talking to you. <laughs> we are. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. You know, like the memes that are like, nobody. And then it's us like, paparazzis are outside. I'm trying to think where I was recently. Where somebody was talking about paparazzis. And I was like, no photos, no photos. <laughs> I don't know why, though. I cannot remember. Oh, it was because I was I was at the Krampus Festival. And I was like, I really... I didn't have time to get ready because my hair appointment was at the place where we were hanging out. So there was no time for me to go home and get ready. So I was like dressed in clothing that I was comfortable getting hair dye on with a makeup that could possibly be washed off because I'm get getting hair done. Yeah. So it wasn't looking great. And I was like, I just really don't want any photos of me. And then there was a guy taking like photos immediately like, like of the event. And I was like, Napaparazzi. <laughs> and it made me laugh very hard. We're already at the, at the end. What a time. Yep. Yeah. We were at a bar last night and my brother was like, you like to my sister-in-law, he's like, act sophisticated. And I was like, oh, Ashley, la, 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 la. I started talking in my accent and she was standing back and he was like, that's not what I meant. I was like, I'm in Crocs right now. Don't <laughs> ask this of me. I don't and know what he expected, know. honestly. That, that was his bad there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you're right. You're right. I just kind of said, bop, 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 bop. What, what the fuck is a Martin? It kind of looks like a ferret. Oh my gosh, why would you want to trap one of these things? They're so cute. I actually think that um, Martin minks, they're the same thing. I think that they might be like a relative of the Martin, the mink, or they might be a mink. I don't really understand because they look, well, I don't like it because they're adorable. Well, no, I think minks are a little bit, minks are darker. So I think like they're in the mink family. Yeah, they're cute. I don't like it either. Hey, Ollie, don't be in alarm right now. He's just like, <laughs> what if you didn't? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we could put this at the end. Speaking of alarms, a couple, I don't know, it's probably been almost a year now. At like four in the morning, we have smart fire alarms. Mm -hmm. And it'll go, it went off at like four in the morning and we're like, you know, jump out of bed and it's screaming. It's like, beep, beep, beep. There's a fire in the hallway. Beep, beep, beep. And it's very loud. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's where Oliver's room is. So like, you know, we jump out of bed. We run as fast as we can. Hallway's fine. Like maybe it's up in like the attic or something. Mike gets up there. He's looking. Meanwhile, I'm like grabbing Ollie out of bed, getting the dogs outside just in case there's nothing. And so what we think it was like, something with the battery or there's like dust or something weird with the alarm but ever since then randomly oliver will walk in the room and go beep 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 there's a fire in the hallway 
there's a fire (laughs) every once in a while it just gets into his head that echolalia you know yeah yeah but it's like the most we'll be eating dinner and then he'll look up and it's like beep 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 there's fire in the hallway he sometimes just his brain goes there and he was being an alarm right now so so sorry okay back to this i love that for him can i say it in your words logan me innis and adam soon you're welcome (laughs) it's also a word puzzle (laughs) every outline a word puzzle as well what does it matter uh because you couldn't run in snow other with you didn't have those you need snowshoes to run in snow but where did he run to why is he running? Ran back to town. He ran back to town. <laughs> I was like, he's just running in circles. Okay, let's tell. Back to snow. He ran back to snow in his snow shoes. Amanda, it's a word puzzle. Can you figure out my brain? I'm so sorry. I was like, in my head, I just imagined him running around. Like, <laughs> that's what I was like. Okay, I'm glad we'll tell them about this. Yeah, just in circles. He's like, look what I could do. I'm running in snow. It's very difficult. Go- Good job. Good job, Adams. Good job. You're so fast. <laughs> As the ice. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. We forgot how to record. We forgot. It's not been that long. <laughs> so. A nice, rich after episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. So one article from the Bend Bulletin described Kimsey as, quote, a person so despicable that no crime was beyond him, not even a triple murder. I'm sorry. Do you want me to say that? Oh, absolutely. I do. Okay. Uh, no, you say the first part and then I'll, I'll say the quote part. Oh, okay. I was like, we could just say it again. Like, and then it would be funny. But okay. So one article from the Bend Bulletin described Kimsey as, quote, a person so despicable that no crime was beneath him. No. <laughs> a person so despicable that... Blah, 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 blah. A person, <laughs> a person so despicable that no crime was beyond him, not even a triple murder. Sounded very sophisticated to me. Thanks. Thanks. So Chris was definitely wrong. Yeah, he was. Everyone in that bar was like, look how sophisticated. No one was thinking that. Yeah, they were. Again, I was in Crocs. <laughs> Trying to stand up for you here, okay? Let me do it. Okay. I sounded sophisticated didn't look sophisticated those are two different things i know kimsey then purchased harrison no punch purchased okay i was gonna say like he he got something for him at the drugstore um okay this i'm actually gonna see fallout boy next year so am i this year are you yes i am are you coming here for that are you lying is it a surprise that i don't know about because i would like that (laughs) i wish they're gonna be out when we were young Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm seeing them with Jimmy Eat World. I think I've told you about Jimmy Eat World. They're local here, like when they were getting big. Oh, okay. And so any local show I went to, Jimmy, he was always there. Oh, so he was stalking you. And I was like, there's fucking Jimmy Eat World. Like he was always there. And it was kind of like a running joke that anywhere I went, any show, Jimmy Eat World was there. And then they'd sometimes just play when they weren't on the bill. But it was just funny. You were like, enough of you. Yeah. I saw him last year. I think I may have seen them live like once, maybe. But I could be wrong. And that was nearly 100 years ago. On this day. On 10 days from now. (laughs) (laughs) 11 days from now. Yes. Is it the 4th or the 5th this comes out? The 5th. That we record. Oh, no. One day from... No, wait. 
<laughs> Eleven days. The ten days from <laughs> This is the end. Okay. Adding is hard. And that was ten days from now. <sighs> Math. <laughs> I like the name though. That's that sounds more fun than a burlap sack. Burlap sack. I like the name though. That sounds <laughs> burlap. Burlap. Burlap sack. Burlap sack. Sound like a robot. <laughs> Heavy it's in just the AI egg. me. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you here? What are you doing? Ooh. Thanks for listening. And as always, a special thank you to our patrons who support us via Patreon. Please see the link in our show notes to learn more about how you, yes, you, can begin to haunt the dump, guard vortexes, or even become a scorching Sasquatch. Also in our show notes, you can find the link to our website, more information on our sources, our social media handles, and our merch store. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps and or ghosts. I beg of you. (laughs) 